Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They don't understand that there is something historic happening and we're all part of it. For American women, the 1980s is the great age of equal opportunity. American women have gained their self-confidence the old-fashioned way. They've earned it. Big hair, big shoulder pads, big makeup, and big ambition for women. Plucky Tess McGill becomes the avatar of a new generation of working girls. Women are looking to shatter glass ceilings everywhere. 28-year-old Linda Culbertson is ready to take a hammer to her own glass ceilings. She's getting a fresh start after a rocky past. Back in high school, she joined the business club, hoping to be an entrepreneur. At the age of 18, pregnancy and marriage put those ambitions on hold. But Linda won't be stopped. She juggles motherhood and her own business. She was a smart woman. She was hardworking. Until a bad romance leaves her life in ruins. She had been married to a man who was in prison for extortion. She and her children moved to Kansas City to live with her mother. Today, Linda's starting a new job as a legal secretary for a small law firm called Pearson Associates. After months of answering want ads, she's hoping this will be the life-changing opportunity she needs. I'd already been turned down by several other law firms that I wanted this job. Linda, I don't think she had a college education. At first, she was making 11000 a year. So it would have been really good for her. Don Pierce, her new boss, has high expectations. That's what's made him such a success. Don was incredibly hardworking, almost to a fault. He was an Eagle Scout. He was homecoming king. He was president of his fraternity in college. He eventually became a lawyer and started his own firm. Don was in many ways your American dream. Don builds his firm with a wide range of clients. 
He did trial work. He did wills and trusts. He did divorces. He did the criminal work as a defense attorney. He was a good lawyer. He was well-liked, worked hard. In her first week, Linda learns that Don has two loves. The law firm he started and his wife, an equally ambitious businesswoman named Catherine. She was an executive with Sprint, so they were both very busy, hardworking individuals. They were very close to each other. Uh, they didn't have any children. They traveled extensively, really enjoyed travel. They were very committed to both of their jobs. No problems, no arguments. It was just a good, solid marriage. Catherine, in many ways, would have been a role model for someone like Linda. Linda is determined to make herself into a success. Linda almost immediately threw herself completely into her work. It was a very busy office. She answered the phone. She did all of the word processing. Don worked long hours. She worked even longer hours. And if he worked hard, she worked harder. He was a taskmaster at work. But Linda rises to the challenge. She was always there when I got there in the morning. She was always there when I left at night. And as the long nights of work add up to months and years, Don and Linda grow close. They had a very strong relationship. She thought the world of him and would do anything for him. The longer Linda worked for Don, the more and more time they spent together. Linda was what would be called his office wife. She'd sort of served him as best she could in the workplace. Don helps Linda as well, filing the legal papers for her divorce. She's finally free. Linda has made herself downright indispensable. She's gone from being a secretary to office manager. She was a good one because he kept her on and kept giving her raises. Back then, $40,000 would be good pay. The single mom can finally afford to take care of her family and treat herself. She came into a salon that I was working in and I would do her hair once a week. She seemed to be very happy, joyful. She opens up to Hyla about her strong feelings for her boss. She told me a lot of things about him. She told me that he was a very serious, very busy, important person. Linda shows off jewelry that she says Don gave her and lets Hyla in on a secret. She told me that they were having an affair. Don uh, started putting his hands on my shoulders. He started stroking my arm and I just kind of looked at him. I went ahead and had sex with him that night. Linda tells Hyla that years later, the affair is still going strong. He was gonna get a divorce. He was going to marry me. Hyla's a good listener, and Linda soon has a chance to help her friend. I became pregnant and eventually had complications with my pregnancies where I couldn't stand on my feet and do hair, so she offered me a job. Now Hyla has a front row seat for Linda's office romance. There were flowers sent to the office, and she said they were from Don. They spent their lunch hours together every day behind closed doors. 
Hyla is happy for her friend. After years of struggling and a broken marriage, Linda finally seems to have a good job and a man who appreciates her. But not everyone appreciates Don Pierce. Don! It's Linda. You need to get in here. His office had been vandalized. There was red spray paint everywhere. A vicious message stains his curtains. This was a very personal attack. They went after pictures of him and his wife. They went after his credentials. This was someone filled with rage, specifically against Don. Unable to imagine who would have done this, Don calls the police. But without fingerprints or witnesses, the investigation leads nowhere. To keep Don upbeat, Linda works harder. Night after night, she stays in the office to finish her work. When I would get to work early, she would still have her hair up in the rollers like you would if you were at home. They built a shower there in the office and the couch folded out for her to sleep. She didn't even get to go home to see her children. But there is an upside. I knew if I performed and did everything that he had me do, that he'd give me anything that I asked for, regardless of whether it was expensive jewelry, cash money, it didn't matter. You know, I did it. But Linda's not the only one who wants Don's attention. His wife, Catherine, does too. She decides it's time to whisk him away on a Caribbean vacation. Linda likely had mixed emotions about Don going on vacation with his wife. She likely was jealous. However, she also likely felt proud. Um, he trusted her to keep the office running while he was gone. True to form, Linda stays late working in the office, all alone, or so she thinks. The very night that Don left for vacation, she said she began receiving phone calls. Here's an associate. When she would answer the phone. Hello? There would be nobody on the other line. Hello? And Hello? she would hang up. This continued to happen over the course of several minutes. Can I help you? Are you there? Linda eventually just stopped answering the phone. About 20 minutes later, she heard a loud noise. It was someone actually breaking into the office. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Linda Culbertson, the office manager at Pearson Associates, is always last to leave and first to arrive. But on the morning of October 19th, the first attorney to show up at work finds a terrifying sight. The office has been trashed. And Linda is nowhere to be found. The attorney proceeded through the office and went in and opened one of the closet doors and found Linda in a really, really disturbing state. She said the office had been broke into, that they kicked the door into the office. She said that she was there when it happened, that they stole all the office equipment. Oh, she had hid in a closet for four hours and didn't come out. She was scared. She had urinated and defecated because she had been in there so long. Linda calls the police, reminding them that this is not the first time she's called about a break-in. Don handles divorce and criminal cases. Unfortunately, lawyers make enemies. Linda tells the detective she thinks the office could have been trashed by an adversary. There's two sides to every court case, so there's always a side that's going to be against you. It made a lot more sense rather than Sam Sausage walking down the street decided to break into a law office. Or could Linda have been the real target? After all, Don wasn't there. His wife, Catherine, had whisked him away before the crime occurred. For now, the police are stumped. There's no physical evidence. There are no witnesses. Of course, back then, video surveillance equipment was very rare. 
If they don't have any viable suspects, the burglary detectives just move on. They're not gonna spend their time spinning their wheels. If Linda is hoping that the burglary will spark a tender reunion with Don, she's disappointed. Well, he was on vacation and had to come all the way back from the Virgin Islands because of the break-in. When he returns, Don buries himself in work. This is likely an attempt to sweep the fear under the rug and try to continue business as usual. But for Linda, it's not business as usual. Don's demands have become overwhelming. She can't keep up. I did everything for him. I performed all the duties that he wanted me to do. I took his laundry to the cleaners. It was like I was his wife. And I was to stay there day and night, be there when he needed me. By that point, Linda was pretty much living at the office. She was sleeping there every night. But it's never enough. Oh, she would tell me that he would be aggravated about things not getting done fast enough or that she couldn't ever do anything to please him. To rely on you to do these things. Now I can't rely on you one single little bit. I'm sorry. Then Linda tells Hyla the stress has pushed Don over the edge. He started abusing her. She showed me bruises on her arms and told me that he had been violent with her. Despite it all, Linda won't leave Dawn. Though Linda was working incredibly long hours, she was being financially rewarded for those hours. The thought of leaving and having to support her children again without an income was likely frightening. She felt she had a loyalty to him because he did help her get divorced when she first came to Kansas City and that she loved him. In February of 89, the Kansas City Star documents how a rising crime rate is provoking an increasing number of local women to take up arms. Included is the tale of a woman traumatized by a recent burglary at a law firm. Linda has decided to take matters into her own hands. She buys a shotgun and takes shooting lessons. Don also takes steps to protect what's his. He makes the landlord hire a security firm to patrol the halls. Don was not only concerned about his safety, but he was concerned about Linda's safety as well. Despite, or maybe because of these precautions, the atmosphere in the office has changed. The office was a weird place to work with all of this stuff going on. It really seemed like things were seriously headed in the wrong direction. Robert Lang quits. Feeling distance from her former friend, so does Hyla. I don't know if you've ever been around those kind of people that make you feel like you had to walk on pins and needles. We didn't talk like we did when I did her hair. I ended up leaving. But it's not just long-term employees who notice the tension. In 1989, 21-year-old Everson Jacobs begins working for Dangard Securities at 1111 Grand Boulevard. My hours was from five in the evening to one in the morning. The building had a, like a gloom over it, like a dark cloud or something. And I had an uneasy feeling about it, but I still worked there. He often sees and hears Don and Linda working late. A boss and a co-worker shouldn't argue like they argue. I'm sorry. He'd say something to her and she would yell back at him like a husband and wife type thing. Very odd. But that wasn't my business. <laughs> but it's been happening now for the past two weeks. 
One night after Don leaves, Linda invites Evison to take a break in her office. That simulates weightlessness for short periods of time. It soon turns into a nightly routine. She would ask me, you want something to drink? You want something to eat or something? And, you know, I'd come in and talk about TV shows or whatever they watched. That's how we mostly got acquainted. Idle chit-chat turns to late-night confessionals. They would have long talks and began to tell each other things that they likely didn't tell other people. Everson shares that he's got a girlfriend and a newborn at home, and he's barely scraping by on his minimum wage salary. Linda opens up about her love-hate relationship with Don and how she feels trapped. She used to comment that he would get mad at her for stupid stuff. Whatever she did, he was pissed. One night, Linda breaks down. She started talking that he was doing all type of stuff to her, abusive stuff. Linda says she's got a dream, one Don won't let her pursue. She wanted to get her own little business going on. I asked her, why don't you just leave? And she said, he's too possessive, he won't let me leave. But something unspeakable will soon separate the two. Forever. Just after 10 p.m., a panicky call comes into 911. I was a squad sergeant, supervisor of a homicide squad. The dispatcher called us. They requested officers respond to this 1111 Grand building. The offices of Pearson Associates. The caller is desperate. They're shooting guns! I, I cannot understand you, ma'am. Please help me, help me, ma'am, help me. Ma'am, you'll have to calm down. When the police arrived, they had to force themselves into the lobby level doors, and they took the stairway up to the third floor. Detective Pete Edland is in charge of the homicide squad called to the scene. He's expecting the unexpected. Downtown Kansas City in the evening at that period of time was relatively quiet. To have this shooting at that time of night in an office building, that was unique. Police follow a trail of blood in the hallway to a gruesome sight in the elevator. It's Donald Pierce. He was dead, apparently had been shot uh, at least twice with a shotgun. Must have been a shocking sight for the police. The victim had been shot in the right eye, up close and personal. Linda Culbertson emerges, and she's armed. She comes out carrying the shotgun, frantic and hysterical. Linda tells them she's the one who called 911 and they quickly determine her gun hasn't been fired. One of the officers escorted her downstairs. She basically was so hysterical that he carried her downstairs. The police fan out to check for more victims. We called two SWAT teams to do a complete building search, and as well as searching a building next door to see if anybody else was in the buildings, if anybody else was hurt. And that's when officers find the security guard, Everson Jacobs, on the top floor. He had been tied up with wire and gagged with a gauze and a tie. He says that he was hit from behind. He couldn't identify the subject who tied him up and gagged him. All I heard was gunshots. And then the alarms went off. And about 20 or 30 minutes later, that's when the police came in and everything. 
the building secured, Detective Edlin's team begins to reconstruct the crime scene. They study the blood stains and the bullet holes. The first shot hit him in the chest and arm, and the second shot hit him in the knee, and so he's completely disabled. It was almost as if someone was hunting him throughout the office until they finally caught him and killed him. A trail of blood shows that Dawn was able to crawl into the elevator where the final shot was fired. The shotgun was put to his eye. Gunshots fired from a close range to the victim are an act of rage and anger. So this is a very, very personal crime. Part of the homicide team is deployed to inform Catherine Pierce, Don's wife, of her husband's death. The normal thing when somebody's killed is you start looking at the spouse first. But they also need her help. After the initial crime scene investigation, we had to get a consent to search the office signed by Mrs. Pierce because Mr. Pierce was not found in the office. He was found in the elevator in the hallway. She was traumatized by the fact that her husband was killed, but Mrs. Pierce gave us a consent. Detective Edlund and his men head back to the station to question their two witnesses, Linda and Everson, if he's able to talk. Jacobs is checked out at the hospital. He's okay. He's got a couple of knots on his head. They bring him down to be interviewed and to be given a written statement. They said if they had more questions for me, they let me go home, and I went home and, you know. We did the same thing with Miss Culbertson. Brought her down calmed her down, got her something to drink, and she was going to give a formal statement. Linda tells Edlin she was in the office when Don left just after 10 p.m. He was out in the hallway. She heard her boss, Mr. Pierce, yell out, and then she heard a gunshot. He was just begging, begging for help. And I... I couldn't, I couldn't help him. I couldn't go out there. I was too afraid. So she went and hid behind her desk in the office. Then she heard another gunshot. Linda says that she mustered the courage to grab the shotgun she bought for protection. But she was too terrified to use it. She never saw the killer but she heard one important clue. She says she then heard somebody in the hallway, a male voice saying, you'll never take me to court again. What she told the police was some disgruntled client had killed him. Linda reminds the police that Don had been a target of vandalism and burglary before. Police were likely considering that Don had been murdered by somebody who had been stalking him for several months. His last client that day was a woman named Brenda Temple. She's getting a divorce. Linda says Brenda's husband has threatened Don. It's a solid lead. But while Linda's being interviewed, police searching the law offices come across a surprise that changes everything. A sawed-off shotgun that's wrapped up in plastic on a shelf in the office closet. Police suspect it's the murder weapon. But according to Linda's statement, she never heard the shooter enter the office. What's the shotgun? Shotgun shells, 
ammo, all this stuff doing in the office. If this is supposed to be a disgruntled client that shot him or an intruder. What investigators learn of the discovery, it changes the mood in the interrogation room. We were being informed of additional information from the crime scene. So we would then go back to Ms. Culbertson and say, you were saying you didn't know anything about a shooting. You just heard the gunshot. Now we find the shotgun wrapped up in your, in your office on a shelf. Investigators think Linda is hiding something, and she is. Reluctantly, Linda reveals troubling details of her relationship with Don. She eventually got around to saying that he was very demanding, both from a professional standpoint and then from an aggressive sexual standpoint. He abused her sexually. We had to milk it out of her over a long period of time. And the man thinks and thought he owned me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I couldn't have a life of my own. Under pressure from investigators, Linda Culbertson says she knows who killed him. Reluctantly, she admits she's been covering for her friend. Linda told the police that she believed it was Evison Jacobs that had killed Don. Evison had told her that he was very angry with Don. She said that Jacobs wanted to kill Pierce because Pierce had made racist remarks. One evening after Don and Jacobs had gotten to a heated argument, Jacobs brought to the fact that night that he was so mad at Don that he was going to take care of the son of a bitch. According to Linda, Evison shared his anger with her during one of their late night talks. He assumed she'd be happy if he got rid of her abusive boss. Linda said that when Evison first made those remarks, she thought he was joking. Over time, she began to believe that he might do something and she became afraid. You know, there were certain things that, that he said and did that, you know, I just kind of, I didn't believe it. And I just let him say these things. And I was scared, I was intimidated, but, you know, I should have known better. But police had found Evison Jacobs bound, gagged, and injured at the crime scene. According to Linda, the entire scene was staged. Linda said Jacobs hired a man by the name of Quincy Brown to do the deed. Brown is his 19-year-old kid. And the security guard and his friend told her that they were going to kill Mr. Pierce because of his racist attitude towards Jacobs. It's just nine hours since Don Pierce was murdered. Hoping to wrap up the case, Detective Edlin pulls Everson Jacobs back in and rounds up Quincy Brown as well. We called him in the next morning because the dynamic of the investigation has changed dramatically. Running the two interrogations simultaneously, Edlin confronts the pair with Linda's story. Jacob's response to Ms. Culbertson was, he didn't know what we were talking about. She told the police that me and Mr. Pierce had words I told the police that I never had no problem with him. But when the fingerprint results come back on that shotgun, sure enough, Quincy Browns and Everson Jacobs are there. And the police use that to pressure Everson to tell the truth. What they did was, it was like a, a scare tactic. 
you know, well, if you don't tell us what's really going on, we're going to believe what Linda Coberson is telling us, so we're going to make sure that you get the death penalty. Mr. Jacobs, Mr. Brown, they're just average Joes. They're not brain surgeons. Jacobs implicated Brown. Brown gave it up fairly easily, too. I was 21 years old at the time. Never been in trouble before with the law. Okay, so if you telling me you're going to make sure I get the death penalty, I'm going to panic. Everson Jacobs admits he bought the shotgun. And he corroborates Linda's story. He and Quincy Brown staged the scene to make it look like someone had broken in. The friend of the security guard hit him and tied him up and then waited outside of our office for Don to come out. Sure enough, both Everson's and Quincy's stories match up, and they match the evidence from the scene. They admit conspiring to murder Pierce, but they say neither of them fired the fatal bullet. Brown shot him, but didn't kill him. They say the real murderer is Linda Culbertson. She masterminded the whole thing. Everson says he was desperate for money. I was trying to get my own place with my daughter's mother and get out of my parents' house. My mind was, I was jacked up. Linda wanted to get rid of Don Pierce, so she offered Everson cash, a car, and a job to do one thing. Take him out. He can't bring himself to do it, so he asks a friend, Quincy Brown. They talked, and she told him the same thing she told me. She's going to give him a job, a house, and a car. And he said, well, if she's going to do that, I'll do it. There's one thing backing their claim, a third set of prints on the murder weapon, and they belong to Linda. When confronted with this fact, she tells the police that Evison made her hold the gun and that that is why her fingerprints were on it. Is Linda a frightened witness or a cold-blooded killer? Police aren't sure who to believe. Then, a call comes in from Hyla, Linda's one-time hairdresser and co-worker. Police were called to a shocking scene at 1111 Grand Boulevard. When the news came on that an attorney had been murdered at 1111 Grand Gate City Bank Building, I immediately felt sick. And I knew it was him before they even said it. I called the police and I said, that woman's not right. Months earlier, Hyla had a falling out with Linda. And the reason is shocking. Linda confided that she was behind the years of criminal activity at Don's office. She's the one that spray painted that threat out on the curtains. According to Hyla, it was Linda who burglarized the office to punish Don for vacationing with his wife and force him to return. She did fess up to that. She claimed she had a friend who had kicked in the door to make it look like a robbery. In fact, Hyla experienced Linda's outrageous behavior firsthand. One evening, she needed to put some files in Don's car for him. And she starts pouring something all over this car. I said, what are you doing? She goes, that was his wife's car. I just poured brake fluid all over his car. In December, six months before Don's death, Linda told Hyla she'd come to a realization about Don. 
She says, I can't carry on this relationship. He's not going to leave his wife. I have to get on with my life. Well, I was kind of freaked out. She's my boss, and she's very vengeful, obviously. It was frightening. I said and did nothing. I'm thinking that she spent months planning to kill him. Now, armed with Hyla's statements, police once again confront Linda. Each time we kept hitting her with more information, she would change her story. She finally gave up the fact that there was a conspiracy between her, Jacobs, and Brown to kill Mr. Pierce. Less than 24 hours after Don Pierce's murder, all three are under arrest. Prosecutors say Culbertson hired a security guard in her building to kill her boss, Donald Pierce. And the security guard, Everson Jacobs, in turn hired a friend, Quincy Brown, to pull the trigger. At trial, prosecutors reveal the web of deceit uncovered by the police investigation. Linda lied to Everson about Don being a racist. Jacobs never heard Mr. Pierce say anything derogatory towards him or demeaning at all. It was all Miss Culbertson telling him that that was going on. Linda likely lied about Don hurting her. I would not put any validity at all to the claims that Don was abusing Linda. In fact, many think she lied about them having an affair altogether. I never saw anything that would indicate that to me. There were flowers sent to the office and she said they were from Don. It was just her word. Miss Culbertson was totally fixated on Donald Pierce. We never were able to ever establish with anyone else that it was reciprocal. Just never found it. To her, a slight touch on the shoulder or a wink might be interpreted as an affair or as love. When she met Everson Jacobs, she used him to put her plan into action. During her late night talks, Linda was gradually manipulating him. Every time that I came to work, she always came up to me and asked me, if you find anybody yet, you find anybody yet? Oh no, she wasn't messing around. To Linda, if she couldn't be with Don, nobody could. Prosecutors lay out what they believe happened on the night of June 7th. Quincy Brown surprises Don Pierce in the hallway. He levels Linda's shotgun and fires the first two shots. He was screaming, help me, Linda, Linda, help me. And Linda stepped outside. She's pushing me, telling me, shoot him again, shoot him again, he's still moving. I ran towards Linda, and I gave her a gun. And, um, I ran out the building, I ran down the stairs. But incredibly, Don is still alive. Agonizing minutes go by. He just kept screaming. And I just wanted the screaming to stop. He is truly helpless. He can't, can't get out of there. He knows what's coming. It's, oh my God, what hell was he going through for those 10 minutes? Whatever the conversation was, Linda ended it. When police arrive, she switched out one shotgun for another and the truth for a colossal lie. 
They made a deal with her. They were going to try it with just a judge without a jury. And if she didn't appeal, they would give her life without parole and not death. She agreed to that, and she was found guilty very quickly. Linda Culbertson and her co-conspirators are each convicted of murder and sentenced to life. In my opinion, Linda suffers from borderline personality disorder, a personality disorder that is marked by extreme emotional instability. These individuals, at times, can almost lose touch with reality. Believe me, she was a good manipulator, and she was a, a, a real good liar. I just want people to know what really happened, and I'm very sorry that Mr. Pierce lost his life. She was a pathological liar and got away with it most of the time. If Linda told you that the sun was going to rise in the east, you probably would really want to get up and check. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.